Let's read God's word. The Bible passage this morning is from 1 Samuel 13, starting at verse 8, finishing at verse 15. He waited seven days, the time appointed by Samuel. Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattering from him. So Saul said, bring the burnt offering here to me and the peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. As soon as he had finished offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came, and Saul went out to meet him and greet him. Samuel said, what have you done? Saul said, when I saw that the people were scattering from me, and that you did not come within the days appointed, and that the Philistines had mustered at Michmash, I said, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I have not sought the favor of the Lord. So I forced myself and offered the burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God with which he commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people. Because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. And Samuel arose and went up from Gilgal. The rest of the people went up after Saul to meet the army. They went up from Gilgal to Gebeah of Benjamin. And Saul numbered the people who were present with them, about 600 men. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Danny. Let's pray together. Let's pray. Father, we come before you with open and surrendered hearts. And this Sunday morning, as we consider surrender over control, we pray that you would speak to us, that you would search us and know us, that you would bless us with further insight and understanding and wisdom around and in our own souls. And in all we do today, we pray uh, that we would consider those things that hold us back or that burden us, those things that we carry, that today we really can, in trust and in faith, in you surrender to you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. I heard a story about a climber who, unfortunately, despite being a really experienced climber, took a wee tumble and found himself hanging off the side of a cliff by a very small branch. And he shouted up, help, help, is there somebody up there to give me a hand up? And a voice boomed from above and said, I will help you, my son. You just have to trust in me. And the man said, yes, yes, I trust you. If only you would just help me. And the voice said, let go of the branch. And the man looked up and said, is there anybody else up there? (laughs) 
Even in the most desperate of situations, he was determined to stay in control and he was determined to uh, obey what he thought he should. And that's where we find ourselves with Saul this morning, as Danny read for us. We have Saul who is uh, on the brink of another battle with the Philistines and he's seeking assurance, and he's seeking it then and there, and he's seeking the blessing of the Lord in these uh, sacrifices that they are to make, the peace offerings that they're to make, and he's looking for the blessing of God then and there before he goes out into battle. He's seeking to hold on to control, to timing, to his resources. He's desperate to hold on. And it got me thinking about all the things in our lives that we like to hold control over, that we like to manage. And I've got a list up on the screen you should be able to see there. We like to control our time, don't we? We like to do what we want to do on our own time with nobody else really kind of impacting upon this. Okay, this is my time where I'm going to play this PlayStation, okay? And you just you go and do whatever you want to do, but I'm doing this. Or I'm going to read, I'm going to watch my program, okay? And everybody else just, you know, stay out and give me my time. We try and control our money, our relationships. We try and maintain control within our family, within our work, uh, within our position in life and in society. We like to hold on to our schedule, don't we? Our own timetable, okay? I decide where I'm going and when I do it and what I do and who I do it with. We control our attitudes, don't we? We control how we think about things, what we think about things. And very often we find ourselves controlling our own compassion, okay? There's certain things that will lead us into compassion and certain things we think, well, that's not really my thing, okay? Somebody else can look after that. Somebody else can sort this. This is what I'm looking after. And control and management of our whole lives is something that we really do hold on to as much as possible, okay? Because it makes us feel like we're in control, that we, if we have all of our, ha- our hands in the, in the right things, if we have our hands on the right things, then we are in control. Then we know, okay, that's not going to fall away. That's not going to fall away. We hold on as hard as we can and try and keep it all together, don't we? But it becomes a bit of a balancing act, doesn't it? And it can very easily go either way, okay? And find, Saul found himself there in that balance of this could go either way, okay? I could win this battle or I could lose this battle, And Saul decided what he was going to do. Saul decided that he wasn't going to wait, okay? He wasn't going to wait the seven days that Samuel had told him to wait. He thought, right now and now and now, this is the time. And he didn't give the the word of Samuel. He didn't give the word of God. He didn't give the Lord the correct place that he should have in his life and in his heart. Saul was sovereign. Okay? Saul was the king. We know he was the king of the people, but Saul was the king of his own heart. He decided what he wanted to do and when he wanted to do it. And when we seek to control too much and we seek to serve ourselves rather than the Lord, we become like little gods of our own lives. We are sitting on the throne of our own life. 
We're seeking to be king or queen of our lives in a way that can damage our relationship with God. And a book that Simon and I are reading throughout the the series is called, um, I forgot what it's called, but it's written by a man called uh, John, hmm? The Burden is Light, thank you. It's written by a man called John Tyson. And he says it's sovereignty over ourselves, control, management, sitting on the throne of our own life is our modern form of idolatry. We worship ourselves. We keep that measure of control over what we do and when we do it. Now, a measure, I mean, self-control is one of the fruits of the Spirit, okay? We're talking about, you know, uh, we're we're talking about over-controlling, holding back from the Lord. We can be so quick to try and control things and manage everything around us that we become blind to the sovereignty and the greatness of God in our lives. And we manage ourselves to the point where we stop trusting the Father and we rel- and stop relying on the things of the Spirit and relying on the good and gentle teaching of Jesus for our lives and we become just reliant upon ourselves. We start depending fully on ourselves and we stop depending on him rather than building and depending um, on, the, on the, the cross, or rather than building our lives around the cross. We take control and manage everything ourselves because we're afraid, okay? afraid that we won't have it all sorted out, or that we'll come to church and if we're not in control, if we're not uh, fine, we will lose something or we will lose a a matter, a a measure of respect, okay? Or people will look at us differently if they think they really don't have it under control, okay? But church is a place where we can come and say, I don't have it all together. And sometimes we take that measure of dependence off God and place it on ourselves because we're finding ourselves in a place of impatience. We want it now. We want everything now. We want the more. We want everything to happen on our own timing. And sometimes we decide what we're going to obey and what we're not going to obey. We decide how far we're going to follow the Lord. If we feel moved to speak to that one person and we say, no, I don't have time for that today. No, Lord, I don't want to speak to them today. I'm not doing that, Lord. Um, We all know Meatloaf's great song, you know, I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. Does anybody know what that is? Nobody knows what it is that he decides he's not going to do. But He would do anything for love, but he's not going to do that. And sometimes we can be in that place where we will follow the Lord as as much as we want to. But we think, Lord, I'm 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 not doing that. I'm not going that far. And that's the position that Saul finds himself in. Saul was the first uh, God-appointed king of Israel. We've got it on the screen there. He was courageous. Yet he didn't live up to God or the the people's expectations. He was impulsive. He was decisive, quickly decisive. He decided immediately what he wanted. He allowed jealousy to overcome him. He was jealous of David, jealous of a shepherd boy. And he specifically disobeyed God 
over and over and over again. He did it his own way, okay, like Frank Sinatra would have sung. He took matters into his own hands. And so it looked great on the outside, but inside he wasn't following through. And insecurity was his big problem, being insecure in himself and fully insecure, not fully secure on the Lord. And out of his insecurity arose those other enemies of the soul of comparison and competition. And a young shepherd boy called David, his entry into Saul's story, that's where we see Saul decline and decline and decline. And Saul was so deeply determined to win, to manage, to control the outcome of this battle when he wanted it, that he completely ignored the will of God, didn't he? He didn't wait, as Samuel had told him, and he took on the role that really was Samuel's. Okay? It was the priest's role to go in and make the sacrifices before the Lord. So what Samuel or what Saul was doing was what needed to be done, but it wasn't his job to do it. It wasn't God's timing in which to do it because Samuel was not yet there. Saul was facing the Philistines. He was facing an army. And rather than waiting on the Lord, he decided, okay, now is my time to act. And he uh, acted on on the pressures of time and he became more impatient as the seven days wore on. And he failed to wait at Gilgal for Samuel the priest. Samuel would come and make the sacrifices so that Israel would be spiritually ready for the battle. And sometimes our period of waiting, okay, when we're so keen to control what's happening, sometimes our period of waiting is that time where God is making us spiritually ready for battle. And rather than trusting the timing or submitting to the will and commands of God, and he's desperate to make it all happen and happen now, Saul goes ahead and makes the sacrifices himself. He ignores what God says. He ignores what Samuel told him to do, and he does it his own way. When Saul saw his time and his resources and his men, his, everyone slipping away from him, he failed to trust God and he acted in his own strength and in his own determination of what he needed to do. He performs the sacrifice against what Samuel has told him, against what God has told him. And if only he had waited, okay, we're told that basically within the hour, within a few hours of him doing the sacrifice, Samuel arrives. He arrives quickly and Saul is full of excuses. And he says, Samuel, it's really your fault. It's your fault for making me wait so long. But Samuel sees the issue right away. He says, you've not trusted. You have not followed the commandments. You've replaced true faith with the ritual, with what needs to be done in order to win. He saw Saul's posture of heart. His posture of heart was seeking after himself rather than God. And when we govern our own lives with our own hands, we take ourselves out of God's. And when we talk about control or surrendering to the will of God, we are giving him the 
the, the power and the authority and the permission to lovingly move in our lives. And the mistake that we could make, okay, by thinking about a God who is sovereign, a God who is in control, is like God is a great big puppet master and we are just the puppets here on earth. But this is a loving God that we're talking about. This is a God who speaks commands, who speaks his will and his word into our lives for our good and for our flourishing. Not to make us mere puppets, but to give us the opportunity to dance, to rejoice, to live and live in all life's fullness. And the Bible is full of the testimony of God's goodness, his greatness. And there's lots of verses up on the screen there. But Colossians tells us that it is he who has made everything. You know, uh, there, there are no limitations in him. Out of the depth of his riches and the riches of his wisdom and the knowledge of God, out of this come his judgments and his paths for us. We know that God can do all things, as Jeremiah tells us. He can do it all by his outstretched arm. By his outstretched arm, the arm that made the heavens and the earth, that's the arm that reaches out for us too. And there's nothing too hard for him to do. Psalm 103 tells us that it is the Lord who has established his throne in heavens. God is on the throne, the throne of this universe. But God wants to be on the throne of our own hearts as well. And only God can make these claims and truly make these claims because everything else uh, pales in comparison because he alone can make these claims and he alone can meet them. It is he alone that is worthy, that is able. And these are good things that this loving God has for us. Romans chapter 8, one of my favorite verses is that we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God works all things good and in his time, God is good. God is good and all the time God is good. So what do we do in response to a God who is in control, who is able to carry the burden of uh, that we so often place on our own selves to manage everything, to carry everything all by ourselves? It is God alone who is able to carry that burden. And it is God who is able to be God in our lives. What do we do in response to God who is not only sovereign over the universe, but is the king of our hearts? He and his son redeems and restores us. We surrender, don't we? We surrender. And that is the opposite to control. And this surrender is not like the, the waving of a white flag or, uh, you know, throwing down our king in a game of chess and saying, Lord, I give up, you've won. Okay, That's not what we're talking about. We're saying, Lord, I know that I am not able, but that you are able. It's a climbing down off the throne of our own lives and inviting the one who belongs there to take our place. It's laying down the burden of trying to control and manage everything and retain our own power. 
to give up that balancing act that can so often weigh heavily on our hearts and our minds and our souls. Those things that would corrupt us from the inside out. We lay them down and take up the burden that is Jesus's. Jesus's burden is uh, easy. We surrender into his rest and his gentleness and into his power. And surrender is the heart posture of the kingdom, isn't it? And rather than a momentary following, just, okay, I'm going to do this bit, Lord, or doing all the things that we're told to do, but rebelling in our hearts, we give it all over to Jesus. Because what did Jesus do on the cross? For his last words from the cross, Father, into my hands I commit my spirit. I surrender to you, Father. Jesus placed his trust and his very life into the hands of his Father. Jesus Christ himself surrendered. And that should give us confidence and courage to do the same. John Tyson, in his book, The Burden is Light, yep, thank you, uh, talks about this image of a trapeze, okay? And if you've been to, you know, I don't know if anybody's been to Cirque du Soleil or anything like that, or if you've been to this, uh, to Duffy's, you know, the circus, a trapeze, you know, you, you swing from one side, you let go, and you try and catch the next bar, okay? Something I would never do, because I have the coordination of like a two left-footed duck, okay? So you, you swing forward and you rely that the bar is going to be there to catch, that you're, the bar is going to be there for you to catch or that the catcher's ready there to catch you, okay? But when a trapeze artist learns how to do the trapeze, who teaches them how to do the trapeze? The instructor. And the instructor is not up in the air with them. The instructor is on the ground watching them. And the instructor knows everything about the trapeze. He knows it inside out. There's nobody else in the world that knows the trapeze better than the trapeze instructor. So whenever the instructor says, yep, it's time to go, it's time to go, or it's time to let go, the trapeze artist knows that the skill and the expertise of the instructor tells them that it is time. Yes, it's safe. To let go. Yes, the catcher's there. Yes, the bar is within reach. The instructor who knows everything about it teaches them, leads them, guides them, and tells them when it's time to let go. And they can let go knowing with confidence that the bar is there, that the, the other catcher is ready there to grab their hands. The instructor below sees the whole picture. The trapeze artist just sees the bar or just sees that next pair of hands waiting to catch them. The instructor sees the whole picture. The trapeze artist just thinks about the next leap. So when we choose to trust God, to surrender to him, we are not surrendering to an uncaring, unseeing, changeable, inexperienced or unstable force but we're surrendering to the firm and loving arms of one who cares deeply for us, who catches us, who won't let us go. When Jesus died upon the cross, what did it lead to? Death, his uh, burying in the tomb, 
but ultimately it led, it led to his resurrection. It led to life. Jesus' life um, surrendered on the cross led to life in all its fullness and all its abundance offered to each and every one of us. So with confidence, we can let go of control. We can let go of everything and surrender into his loving embrace. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that as we consider these enemies of the soul, that we all see something of ourselves in this. And Lord, we pray that today we would have the courage to identify within ourselves areas where we need to let go of control and surrender into those loving, firm arms of Jesus Christ. Lord, so whether it is um, our time or our resources, whether it is our burdens that we need to surrender to you, we do so with confidence. We do so with trust. We do so with faith, knowing that you see the whole picture. We think only of the next leap, but you know the whole picture. Lord, we thank you for the confidence that we can have in you and in your son and in the gifting and guidance and filling of your Holy Spirit. So we offer this all to you now. We give over what we need to give over and we leave it at the foot of the cross.